Thank you, Ruthann. Thank you, Anita, for ministering the music. In light of God's love, we want to be sensitive to what God says in his word. And if you notice in the bulletin, every Sunday we list, we list worship through obedient listening. As we interact with God's word, we should listen with a mindset of seeking to obey. And I would encourage you also this morning to be listening. I will be mentioning something during the sermon and you I'll be able to tell if you pick up on it or not. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your love. Grateful that we have a relationship with you. Grateful that we're recipients of your grace. As we interact with your word this morning, Father, we want to be attentive, listening, hearing, understanding, and then choosing to apply it in our life for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. It's a man that is real in life, but his name is not Charlie. But I'm going to call him Charlie. He tends to be stuck in life. He tends to live as an island. He has ongoing struggles in relating to his wife. Loving her as Christ loves the church, he just hasn't got a handle on that after quite a few years. He has an abrasive personality. He just seems to hurt others, doesn't seem to be aware of it. His adult children struggle in relating to him. He's alienated from his sibling. He rarely shares a burden or a struggle. He doesn't display the fruit of the Spirit in a very deep manner. His pride comes through quite often. He has answers for others as it relates to how to live. But he doesn't seem to apply it in his own life. I'm not looking for an answer, but I'm asking as a thought question. What is the major factor in Charlie being stuck for many years? This morning we want to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We want to read verses 22 of chapter 1 through chapter 2 and verse 3 together. Before we read, keep in mind, as I mentioned quite often... Paul, Peter, other writers of Scripture, but particularly Paul and Peter, will talk about the foundation, the nature of the new life in Christ, who you are. And Peter emphasizes that in chapter 1, 1 through 12. And then in 13 through chapter 2 and verse 3, he talks about do live accordingly. But who we are, our being, makes a difference in how we live and how we respond. Beginning with verse 22 of chapter 1. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, 
not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As we interact with verses 1 through of chapter 2, please read and hear these verses as being addressed to bodies of believers. They're not directed primarily to individuals, but to groups of believers. And that is important to understand as we read scripture. And to illustrate that, I have some blocks here. And I'm going to need a volunteer. And Micah already, you know, said something to me beforehand. So Micah, I want you to take these blocks. I want you to build a wall similar to what I had built. But the blocks may not touch one another. They can't touch each other. But you can't stand there and hold them. You can't do it. Okay, I'll catch you later. On something. By the way, Micah, how old are you? Eleven. Eleven. Eleven years from now, if I'm still here and the Lord tarries, I'll be able to ask Jolene and Zach's son or daughter to come up and do that. <clears throat> it took a little. <laughs> You know, Zach, Zach said something to me before church. He says, we're expecting. I said, I'll tie it in. I said, can I do it any way I want? He said, yes. I thought that would be appropriate. <laughs> so congratulations. Now, the reason I asked Micah to do that without touching, imagine that all these blocks are individuals. But they live as islands. If we read Peter as individuals, we're not going to be maturing the way God wants. We need to see ourselves as a body coming together, sharing joys like Zach and Jolene expecting, sharing struggles that we have as we go through physical trials. And see, that was part of Charlie's issue. And I know Charlie. For years, he has lived as an island. He's seen himself as an individual. He doesn't relate with other people. Oh, he'll talk. But there's not strong relationships. So keep in mind that Peter is writing to people, believers. And notice in verse 1, he says, therefore. When you see the word therefore, it's therefore reason. Basically, he's saying, in light of what I just said, Here's how you should respond. The word, therefore, takes us back to verses 20 through to 22 through 25 of chapter 1. 
especially the living and enduring Word of God. In verses 24 and 25, the purification of believers in Christ, the purification that they experience, and being born again through the living and enduring Word of God are not stagnant, intellectual truths, but vibrant, powerful, life-changing, motivating, or motivation to act from the inside out. When Peter says, you've been purified by obeying the truth, you've been born again, not a perishable seed, but an imperishable, that's not something that just flies over our head. He says, that's to impact the way you live. In light of that, He says, rid yourself. Transformation involves both one's unseen thoughts, motives, attitudes, desires, and the seen words and actions. As we saw in verses 13 through 16 of chapter 1, there's a put off and a put on in verses 1 through 3. Of chapter 2. He says, put off malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy. And then he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. The putting off and the putting on. Putting off again of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So that you can crave pure spiritual milk. A simple but profound truth is that put off comes first. You can't put on until you put off. Both are essential, but one precedes the other. It's not a matter of which is more important, but there's a sequence. Little growth or change will take place until we choose to put off and put on inside thoughts, attitudes, desires, motives, and the outside's words and actions. The put off, the put on. JT, if you want to come up here for a minute, please. I had JT try this before to make sure it wasn't too tight on him. I got my overcoat here that I wear on cold days. So if you want to put that on, JT. I'd like you to put this sweater on, JT. On top of it? Do you normally do that? Oh, you don't need to try to put it on. We'll, we'll say they got the point. So if JT is to put the sweater on, he's got to take the coat off. How many... You're done. Thank you. How many times in life do we try to put something on in terms of thoughts or attitudes without first putting off? Peter says, therefore, in light of being purified, in light of experiencing the new birth through the 
imperishable seed, the living and enduring word of God, get rid of. The get rid of comes first. And he's writing to a group of people. He's saying to the people he's writing to as a group, get rid of malice, get rid of envy, get rid of hypocrisy. Talking to a local body again, not merely to individuals. We act individually, but he's also concerned about the body and how they respond. He says, get rid of. Rid simply means to lay down or to lay aside or to renounce. And the root word is used in some other passages. And let's go to Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, where the same root Greek word is used in Hebrews 12 and Hebrews and Romans, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 13 and verse 12. Romans 13 and verse 12. He talks about our salvation being nearer now than when we first believed. And he says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put aside, rid of the deeds of darkness, put on the armor. The idea again of putting off, putting on. Look in Ephesians 4 and verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. In chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians, he talked about who we are in Christ, the being. 4, 5, and 6, how to live and respond. And he says in verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, rid your old self, which is being corrupt by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, the idea of put off, rid, get rid of, and in Peter, so that you can crave pure spiritual milk. If you read about World War I, you read about World War II, you read about the Civil War, when countries or the South admitted defeat, what did they do? They laid down their weapons because they were defeated. Peter is saying, Sin was defeated through the new birth. Now lay it down. It's been defeated. Lay it down. Rid yourself of it. The vices he mentions in verse 1 must be put off. The items that he mentioned are those which destroy relationships Thus, destroy community. Peter is explaining in this letter how social alienation that the Christians were experiencing from the culture was to be remedied by genuine fellowship found within 
the community or fellowship of believers. The nature of that fellowship he describes in verses 4 through 10 of chapter 2. Peter's hearers have been given a new birth. And as a people of God, what were they to exhibit? Laying aside. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. He talks about laying aside malice. He says all malice. That's interesting. He says all. But the word for malice means worthless. The idea of a malignancy, a wickedness, that which is corrupt, that which is depraved. Romans 1.29 talks about that. In Titus 3, Peter, as he writes to Titus, talks about you know, the evil, that which is worthless, of a bad quality. What does malice do? It destroys relationships. The word seems to embrace the whole wickedness of the pagan world. We don't have to listen to politicians very long to see malice coming out. Another example would be the war of words in the home. How many times are words of malice mouthed by a husband or a wife? or by a parent to children, or children to a parent. Just reading an account this week of a father who said to his son, you're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. Malice. Read the account of a husband saying to his wife, I'd be better off if I never married you. No malice. Peter recognizes that malice was within the culture, and he's saying to those that have been purified by obeying the truth, those who have been born again through the living, enduring word of God, in light of that, rid yourself, lay down all malice. It shouldn't be part of your life. It shouldn't be part of your relationships. Oh, how malice hurts. How it destroys. He also says, lay aside all deceit. The idea of deceit is contriving to trap someone, to bait, to falsify, to adulterate. Deceit comes in many forms because Peter says, rid yourself of all deceit. Now, I want to give you an illustration of deceit. And by the way, I'm not calling the people who do these items deceitful. But you ever think about baiting a fish hook as deceitful? You're saying to the fish, here's something good. But you don't tell the fish... There's a hook underneath there. And by the way, I'm not 
telling you fishermen not to fish. That's not my point. I'm just saying that's a form of you don't see what's really there. You know, it's a form of deceit. I don't know how many times I have tried to deceive mice. You say, how do you deceive mice? I put some cheese on a mouse trap. For what purpose? Oh, cheese. They don't catch it till it's too late that there's something else going to happen. And those are just illustrations of where he's coming from with deceit. And I'm not saying don't use mouse traps or don't go fishing. That's not my point. But among people, he says, lay aside all deceit. So someone comes up to you and says, well, how are you doing today? Fine. But you're not fine. Deceit. For a student would be turning in a paper via computer in their name. But they plagiarized most of it. That's deceit. Peter says, rid yourself of all deceit. Again, deceit destroys relationships. Peter says, don't. He says, rid yourself uh, also of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is acting on a stage to assume a counterfeit character, to pretend. Some of you may have acted in the past. You're assuming a character that you're not. And we understand that. But it's to act a part on a stage, basically. And he says, lay aside, rid yourself of hypocrisy. Down through the ages of church history and today, one of the things that are mentioned often is by unbelievers, I don't want to be a Christian because I have seen the hypocrisy. What are they saying? Claim to be a Christian, but they don't live it. That's hypocrisy. Having talked to many people over the 40 plus years that I've been in the pastorate, my heart breaks sometimes when I talk to a younger person who is now an adult and I say, why don't you want to walk with God? Why are you so resistant to God? And the young person says, because I live with my mom and dad who claim to be Christians. but they were hypocrites. On the flip side, I was recently talking to a young lady. 
And as we were talking, I asked the young lady, I said, you know, you're going on for God and you seem excited about God and you seem passionate for God. And I said, uh, where'd that come from? And she said, I've observed my parents. They love God. They're striving to walk with God. They're not perfect. but They're striving to be sensitive to God. See, that's the opposite of hypocrisy. And Peter's saying, lay it aside so that when someone pokes you, what comes out is the same thing as what you claim. And I, this crossed my mind just recently. And I went somewhere to take care of some business. And I got there and I wasn't able to take care of the business because the person did not do what they were supposed to do. I was driving down the road later, I thought, well, I took that pretty well in stride. It didn't really bother me. I have to go back and take care of it later, but that's okay. But what's, what's going on in my heart? God was saying, Dan, you're not a hypocrite. <laughs> you know, oh, he forgot. What's wrong with him anyway, you know? He says, lay aside hypocrisy. Peter's hearers may have seen it in people they live with. He says, lay it aside. He says, rid yourself also of envy. The idea of envy is jealousy, spite, desiring their place. The idea is looking at others, wishing you had what they had, or something similar, maybe desiring their position or their lot in life. Desiring the items they have, desiring children like they have, desiring a mate like they might have, desiring a job that they might, like they might have. That deeply influences believers. He says, lay aside envy. And that ties in with comparison. We look at other people and we say, I wish I had. We envy them. We compare. Well, I wish I could be in their position. I wish I could retire with a big pension like they have. Envy, again, destroys relationships. And then he says, rid yourself of slander of every kind. Slander is to speak against a detraction, a backbiting, a malicious false statement tending to defame or hurt others. Said, rid yourself of them. As a body of believers, rid yourself of people talking negatively about one another. Hey, Rick, did you hear about Scott? And just say negative things. How about fault finding? 
This morning as I was walking around the sanctuary and praying for our services today, this thought went through my mind. We're coming together as a body of believers. Those who are redeemed. Those who are forgiven. Those who have been adopted. Those who have been reconciled to God. That stands in contrast to thinking, well, I know what Travis did. I'm going to tell someone about that. I know what Sharon is like. I'll tell someone about that. I know what Earl is like. I'll badmouth him. He's saying, rid yourself of slander of every kind. It's easy in the heat of a moment for one of Peter's hearers to say, a wife to say to her husband, who's a non-believer, you are just a selfish, ugly, unkind, ungracious bum of a husband. Malicious. Peter says, no. Lay aside malice. And he's writing to believers, and he's writing to a body of believers, encouraging them how to live and how to respond. The above items destroy the body of Christ, and apparently they were a struggle. For the people to whom he was writing, therefore he wouldn't say, rid yourself of them. They hadn't arrived. They were still struggling. And he's saying to them, rid yourself. Get rid of, lay down malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. God's redemptive work restores relationships among people and between people and God. The items that we discussed this morning destroy community. Society would be living them. They would be expressing them. And the people to whom Peter is writing and to us today, we may struggle with them, but Peter says, rid yourself of them. Don't allow that social alienation to be part of your life. Peter's hearers and us today have been given new birth as a people of God. Therefore, exhibit transformation in relationships. Rid yourself. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And then he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. And we'll look at the craving of pure spiritual milk next week, which can be done as we put off the items that he mentioned, taking the coat off so we can put on the sweater, the pure spiritual milk. And I want to emphasize, it's so easy to look at people and say, huh, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, Envy and slander. 
He is writing to a body of believers and he's acknowledging that these people are battling with these items. So let's recognize that we're a body. We care for one another. Someone may struggle, but we struggle. And together as a body, we seek to build one another up. We seek to encourage one another to be what God has called us to be. Thoughts, words, and actions as a body pulling together, spurring one another on to be more and more free from these items and to crave pure spiritual milk. What you feed your mind on via games, the phone, the TV, movies, news, books, magazines, Do they involve, what you're feeding your mind, involve malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander? When we willfully take these items into our life, they influence our life. I'm talking willfully do it. It would be by phone or TV, by movies, by news, and so on. We're taking that in which Peter says we're to rid ourselves of. Why take into our life and let something influence our life that is going to make it more difficult to rid ourselves of something? Because those items, do they affect our desire for pure spiritual milk? Why take in that which Peter says put off? In our communication by phone, by texting, by Facebook, our response to the news, our response to follow politicians. Let's lay aside malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. There's no need for me to text someone, oh, political or politician so-and-so did this. Isn't that terrible? <clears throat> lay it aside. That shouldn't be part of your vocabulary. So we get into a conversation about what's happening in our country and we end up maligning those in authority over us. Peter says, that shouldn't be part of your life. We struggle. Peter says, lay it down. The war's been won. You've been purified. You've been born again through the Imperishable seed, the living and enduring word of God. As we are putting off, ridding ourselves of malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, then we're moving more and more towards being a baby in the sense of desiring pure spiritual milk. Oh, how we need to be awestruck with our being born again with the imperishable seed, the living and enduring word of God, therefore ridding ourselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Micah? You want to try to build a wall. The blocks may touch one another. 
Now, as Micah is doing that, think about our battle, our struggle with malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. As we have someone come alongside us, thank you, Micah, it makes a difference in how we live and how we respond. We need to be touching one another. We need to be encouraging one another, praying for one another, spurring one another on, saying to someone, how'd you make out with your malice this week? How's envy going? Oh, were you deceitful this week? Did you slander anyone this week? Or did you desire pure spiritual milk? Share the account of a lady, not her real name, but I call her Sally. She is flourishing. She's been a believer about 15 years. She enjoys scripture and she shares it with others. She apologizes frequently when she is wrong and seeks forgiveness. She is developing a gentle and a quiet spirit. She's relating deeply to several ladies who speak truth into her life. She knows she hasn't arrived. Why is she flourishing? Because she's chosen to be interacting with others in a meaningful way. Letting others speak truth into her life. Letting others say, you're wrong here. I got a word of encouragement for you. Rather than Charlie, who I mentioned earlier, who just wants to live as an island. So as we deal with Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, and move to craving pure spiritual milk. The key is putting off and putting on, but also seeing us as a body, ministering to and encouraging one another. Has the Lord spoken to you? Will you obey? Will you act? Let's pray together. Father, we know that as we interact with your word, it's important that we act on it because James mentions that if we hear but don't obey, we deceive ourselves. Another way of Explaining that is if we hear and we take in and don't obey, we're not giving out and we become like the Dead Sea that only takes in. We want to be a body of believers, Father, that is sensitive in obedience. And in light of our being purified by obeying the truth, in light of our being born again, through the imperishable seed, the living and enduring word, we want to rid ourselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have to confess that at times these items are a battle. May we as a body willingly, freely, Choose to lay these items aside 
and encourage one another in the process so that we can crave pure spiritual milk so that we can grow in our salvation. And again, Father, that for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.